Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's an interview from the 2018 Code Media Conference. I've been getting a, a hard time for this panel. I'm not going to tell you what people said because it was mean, but uh, I think it's, I, it's, it's, rude. it's rude to put an expiration date on startups. I think that's it's a bad policy. Anyway, uh, you get my gist. Uh, it's 2018. Both of these companies have been around for a long time. Uh, Flipboard, Mike, you started as essentially the first native iPad app that really felt like it was built for the iPad, that was 2010. Yep. Maybe some people haven't been paying attention. What is Flipboard today? Well, Flipboard is uh, a passion project. It is um, something that uh, we've been building over now about eight years. Uh, it is a place to go to be informed and inspired about the things that you love. Uh, it was um, built heavily inspired by the concepts and principles of print. We love um, the idea of the magazine, beautiful content, beautiful advertising, existing in a, in a really great user experience for a passionate tribe of people. And, um, and in many ways, Flipboard um, has been pursuing the idea of modernizing the notion of a magazine for a long time now. And uh, now the company uh, is, uh, well, we started on the iPad. We are now on the iPhone and Android phones. Dominant, that's, that's the dominant um, uh, experience that uh, we have on, on Flipboard today. Uh, well over 100 million users, um, and we're at the right place at the right time right now. People are looking for a place to go to get quality content about the things that they care about in their work, in their play, in their life, and um, it's been uh, an amazing ride. And you're wrong. When I think quality content, I think outbrain. Some, excellent. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> so some some people may roll their eyes at that. So what? Uh, tell you know what? What are you? What's Outbrain right now? So Outbrain, uh, which we started about 11 years ago, is the largest content recommendation platform on the internet. We power the recommendations on publishers like CNN, Fox News, ESPN, uh, uh, Guardian, BBC, folks like that. Uh, we power all their recommendations, whether it's articles, videos, video to video, articles to video, etc. Uh, we reach about a billion people every uh, month through, uh, through our recommendations, and marketers love to amplify their content uh, with Outbrain. Let's talk about some of those marketers. Today I went on an, Outbr an Outbrain journey. Uh, I started at InfoWars. You're not on InfoWars. We are not. I then went to Breitbart. Not on Breitbart either. No, we are not. I had to go to Sports Illustrated to find some Outbrain ads. You know what, you know what I found? I found uh, a Japanese dop kit that I've been wanting to buy, uh, being remarketed, retargeted at me. I found uh, the crazy facial that celebrities say takes 10 years off your face. <laughs> I did not click that one. Uh, I found the underwear brand that guys are switching to, and some other stuff, which we'll talk about later. But uh, I, I think maybe you get a rap, whether it's fair or unfair, of being. Um, and maybe competitors more so, but being a, a, a you know in some in some ways not high quality uh, content and ads. How do you work around that? How do you think about that? Yeah. So uh, the the important thing to understand is where the technology and the platform that publishers use, and publishers can apply it in many different ways. Uh, most of our publishers are using Outbrain to maximize their revenue or their RPM, and to date we've uh, we've sent our publisher partners over a billion point two. 
$1.2 billion, which is a tremendous amount for them. Now, the way, the way you use the technology or the platform, you can optimize for a variety of different things. If you're optimizing for revenue or RPM, that can come at the cost of personalization. It sometimes trumps it. Uh, when that happens, the links that you might be seeing are ones that are really appealing to a certain audience, to a minority of an audience. Maybe not to you or me, but there is an audience that's that, that is finding those to be very compelling. And unlike CPM platforms, we're CPC, unlike CPM platforms, we don't get anything for interrupting an audience. There's, there's no value in it for us or our partners. We only get compensated if something was valuable enough for users to click on it and engage with it. And so what you're seeing is really something that's, that a certain audience is finding very valuable. If you ask me personally, uh, I think of publishing as just a big management of a piggy bank of people's uh, users' goodwill and trust. Uh, I think it's important, personally, that you deposit in that piggy bank more trust than you, than you extract out of it in the form of RPM. Uh, but we can't dictate that to our partners. It's really our partners up to them to decide how they're managing that. So what are you doing about that? What's... So we do many things, but one of, the, one of the exciting things that we're announcing today, actually, is the now a good time? Hey, yes. listen up. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I, it, is, it is important to solve this because at the end of the day, uh, since we started the company, I've been telling every, everyone I can, especially our team, is the fundamental currency of both Outbrain and I think the publishing industry at large is, is trust, is user trust. It's not the dollar, it's not the RPM, it's not the CPC, it's user trust. And if we, if we hurt that, it's, you know, it's very difficult to build trust over the years, but it's very easy to, to hurt it. Uh, and so a new product that we're launching today, which is called Sphere, is gonna be a premium, exclusive, publisher-to-publisher -publisher, uh, audience network or recommendation network. Uh, available, again, only for premium publishers. We're launching it today with uh, CNN, with uh, Getty, with uh, Fox, with Time Inc. and Meredith, and with uh, Penske, and more of those types to, to join. It's going to be editorial only. So the idea is, instead of each of us, and when I say us, I, I think of publishers. I feel that we're in the uh, publisher business. Instead of each of us relying on, say, Facebook for getting audience, the idea with Sphere is we all rely on each other and do a great feed of content recommendations on each one of those publishers and refer people to, uh, to one another. So we're getting the quality audience based on quality editorial recommendations. So real news, not, not fake news and not some of the marketer content. You're bringing here. back the web ring. Yes. Awesome, and yeah, how, does it, but, how does it work? But I think with a lot of learning, so you know, rings have been tried in the past, and I, one of the issues with them is that you're, you, you kind of have an expectation of ratios. I'll send you 10 people, you give me 10 people, and once you have that baked in, you're basically screwing with the user, because at some point you just need to be serving that ratio of I'll send you and you'll send me. And so there's a lot of innovation and sphere under the hood, technology that we worked on for over a year based on our previous 10 years of uh, technology. Uh, but we're also innovating on the business model, uh, going for a universal cost per click, no bidding, so you can't bid to get more exposure. You only get exposure if you're serving what's best for the user. Uh, and we're doing 100% of the revenue uh, from generated from those clicks across publishers going back to the publishers, so we're taking none of that. So you don't get paid until? Until there's longer term, deeper engagement with the content. So if clickbait's happening, that could be great for those users, it could be great for the publishers receiving the revenue. Uh, we generate zero out of that. 
the only place we get compensated is if the users find value and engage more deeply with the content. So if they keep going for two stories or five or 20, uh, we get paid the cost per click once. So that's one way to uh, kind of police the algorithm. Another one is, is what Flipboard does, which is human editors and curators. What's, how, how many do you have now, and how does that work? Yeah, we have about 25 um, editors, curators around the world who are um, working hand-in-hand -hand with the algorithms and their engineering team to make sure that we have good quality content um, across the various topics on Flipboard. Uh, and we are either um, lightly involved uh, when the topics are not controversial and they're pretty straightforward to uh, fill with good content algorithmically or heavily involved uh, when they are controversial, uh, when it's hard to discern algorithmically what's true, what's false, and you need more editorial judgment. Um, so for example, in our politics coverage, uh, every story is hand chosen all the sources, to the extent you personalize and use algorithms to personalize, every source that feeds those personalization algorithms is vetted and hand-chosen by that team of editors who are trained in journalism and understand uh, you know, what makes good quality uh, uh, content versus uh, what is intentionally trying to deceive or is uh, overly extremist, uh, et cetera. And what's the goal of that? Is it to just have no point of view whatsoever, or, or you... Well, the goal is to give people... Yeah, the goal is to give people a perspective, um, a full perspective of what's happening um, about something that they really care about. So let's say immigration, you know, a, a key topic. It's, it's, there's a lot of polarization. It's heavily charged. Uh, there's a lot of emotion. Um, and there's coverage across the full political spectrum. And what we want to try to do is give people a place to go on Flipboard um, and look and see uh, a range of uh, stories from across the political spectrum. But we don't want them to see fake news. We don't want them to see uh, you know, um, racist content. We want them to see you know, quality stories that really feed um, their point of view. And, uh, and so one of the things we do is we'll take an issue uh, that could be happening, let's say, tax reform or, or immigration reform, and we'll help, we'll, we'll curate um, a perspective from the left, from the right, and from the center, and package that up in a, in a, um, uh, a roundup we call left, right, and center, and present that to, to our audience so that people can kind of get a, a full perspective about something that's happening in the news. Uh, and you can't really which do that one do, uh, Which one do people click on? Excuse me? Which one do people read? Well, they read across, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, read, read across the spectrum. All right. You know, you have people on the left or the right, you know, and, um, uh, you know, one of the things I think that you have to watch out for with algorithms is that they will, um, by definition, reward high user engagement. And the stuff that's really highly engaging from a user point of view isn't always the right kind of content. So content that's fake is designed specifically to create a lot of user engagement. And so you, you need to create a mechanism where you police the, the output of those algorithms and you don't allow those kinds of um, articles to propagate on your system. 
Is that right? Is the algorithm flawed? Can you can you continue to rely on it to, to do a good job for your users? Well, it, nothing nothing is uh, is perfect, and editors great, not perfect, and algorithms are great and not perfect. And you know, I, th I think in ten years when we sit here again, we're probably going to be still perfecting the uh, the algorithms. I, I think there's there's not a binary answer to this of whether it's editors or, or algorithms that are better. I think at the end of the day, there's things that editors are never going to be replaced by, uh, by algorithms, I think. Never is a big word with AI, but probably close to never. Uh, where uh, editors understand what's important uh, currently, what the zeitgeist is, what we should be paying attention to, and that's what they do best. I don't think an algorithm can, you know, can tell writers, go and write about this uh, story. They're trying, but... Yeah, yeah, but I know. Uh, you know, I, th I think if uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix's algorithm for recommending movies, which is a great algorithm, if we told it, you know, go and, and develop a show, I, I think that show might have been underwhelming. Uh, where algorithms are really powerful is in personalization after the fact. So after you create the environment, which editors decided this is what's important and this is what we'll cover and this is true news and, and all of that, Algorithms are great at personalizing the recommendations, making sure that things you've read you're not going to see again, and, and all of that. So I do think the world, uh, the ideal world, probably has a combo of both. Um, today in Alpine, I saw an ad that said, March, 20, March 10th, 2018 could be the end of Bitcoin. And I clicked through an article about Bitcoin 2.0 on some one of your advertisers telling me that $100 could earn me 55 times my money back if I get in by the end of March. So Facebook just announced they're banning Bitcoin ads. Right, so Are you? Do you also so tolerate we, those? We, so we generally banned uh, Bitcoin or crypto uh, uh, ads about a month before Facebook did. Uh, and I'd be curious. Oh, okay. uh, well, I will cause you send you my browser so you, record. Well, you mentioned some publishers before that we would not be powering this recommendations was on, on. Yeah, this was on a, a real a real site. Um, okay, good to know. Yeah. All right. Yeah, about a month before Facebook. So, and it is an area that's really problematic. Yeah. Um, one of the really interesting things about both of your companies is that you're sizable, you're, you're large, but you're not Facebook or Google. Uh, sometimes that's bad because they have been stealing all the growth in the industry. Perhaps sometimes that's good. How does it feel? How do you approach publishers, partners? Do they want to do stuff for you? Will they go out of their way to work with you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, this is, in particular, this moment in time that we're in right now, this is... Uh, this is a big moment. This is a big moment for um, people who are looking for quality content in a well-lit environment that they can trust and they can fine-tune and understand how it works. And that's a big deal. And then, on the, uh, in addition, if you look at publishers who are um, tired of you know uh, the unpredictability that um, some of the things that they've seen with Facebook. Uh, there's a there's a big opportunity for Flipboard right now for publishers to be able to you know reach audiences in ways that are more predictable and that are better for them um, and for brands and advertisers uh, on Flipboard they're looking for quality experiences uh, they're looking for you know they want to look to their left and look to their right and see quality other quality advertisers they want to see quality content they don't want to be next to extremism they want to they want to be able to uh, be part of an experience where people are in the mindset of investing in themselves uh, as opposed to scrolling through other people's lives um, and watching you know, what other people are doing. Uh, people want to be able to invest in themselves. They want to advance. 
their work, or how they are as a citizen, what they want to do for fun, and brands want to play a genuine role in that in a way that in many ways mirrors what works so well in print. Um, so, so now really is an amazing time. And, uh, you know, I think the fact that Flipboard um, is, you know, we're kind of, you know, we're not a giant company, we're not a small company, we're, we're a durable business, we're, we're on the threshold of profitability, and we can be a partner uh, that publishers can trust. And um, we always have been. You know, we listen to publishers, we react to um, what their needs are. Uh, we just recently introduced um, uh, a, a program where we really just direct traffic to highly optimized mobile web pages, and rather than us dictating a standard technology-wise to our uh, to publishers, we said, look, there's a, there's a standard from a user experience point of view, and however you want to meet that standard from a technology point of view is good, and we will drive traffic and quality traffic to your site and, uh, and create an experience that um, you can monetize however you want, keep 100% of that revenue, and, and that's, uh, that's something that's really resonating. It sounds like you're bending to them, though, as opposed to, let's, let's talk about Apple News. You know, it's a, yeah. Yesterday, Lydia Polgreen said it's, it's becoming one of their most yeah. important platforms. Obviously, a threat to you. Publishers are going crazy learning new, new codes and stripping out embeds and all kinds of stuff just to work on Apple News, which is built into every new iPhone. Um, how big of a threat is that to you? Hey, when you're an entrepreneur and you're competing with Apple, that's a pretty big deal, you know. Uh, and we've been, you know, I'm, we've, I'm used to that. That's something that, uh, uh, you know, Apple's both a partner and a competitor at the same time. And I'm a huge admirer of the company. Uh, but, you know, Apple News is, as a product, living in the past. Uh, it is, um, there's no social element whatsoever to it. Um, there's no curation that's happening. It's, it's algorithmic. Uh, and uh, and it has a, the Apple News format, uh, which I think is, is, is really cool on the one hand. On the other hand, it's a whole other format that publishers have to adopt. Now, if you contrast that with what uh, it means to just embrace the open mobile web, um, you know, look at what Google just announced today with um, AMP and with Stories. Uh, you know, by embracing the open mobile web, those AMP stories will work just fine on Flipboard. Um, and uh, that just comes for free as, as a part of being a part of the mobile open, uh, open mobile web. We're not trying to create a closed ecosystem that just works on one operating system. Um, and that's a big thing for publishers, right? They need, they need to reach all audiences on desktop, on Android, on, on iOS, in a way that embraces uh, the open mobile web. Are you locked out of Apple News, too? Uh, yes. Sort of. So. Yeah. How is Everyone that? Is, is right? that OK? Uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we've been growing uh, on anywhere else where the, uh, the publishers publish uh, anything. We've been a launch partner with uh, Google on AMP, uh, so that's been uh, going great, uh, but not on Apple News. And is it okay to be smaller than Google as a monetization partner for publishers now? Well, first of all, again, as, as I said before, we've generated for our partners over a billion dollars in, uh, in direct revenue, so we're not that small. Uh, I think at this point, especially with uh, Facebook, it's almost uh, it's it's a feature to say you're not Facebook. Uh, this isn't uh, it's not a stable kind of partner, and their business is not the publisher business. They have a lot of value from showing their consumers uh, news in the feed, but it's not their business. Uh, whereas for Outbrain, 100% of our business is uh, publishers. That's 
that's the only thing we do. Great. We'll open to questions in a few minutes. I want to talk about kind of where this where this all goes. You're two startups that have been around for a long time. Um, but, you're, but, you're mature. Again, so it's the second time you're saying it. Of the, I think, four or five startups that you've mentioned so far, Google, Facebook, Flipboard, Outbrain, we're the, we're the babies. They've been going on for, well, not Facebook, but Google has been around for 20 years and, uh, and Amazon for 25 and Apple for 40. That's a startup as well. And, you know, I think for these companies, some of the most exciting work that we're seeing from them is happening in their 20s or 30s. So you had reportedly filed for IPO a few years ago. You were allegedly in talks with your arch rival, arch nemesis, Taboola, last year. What is the, what happens there? So, as you know, uh, there are journalists that are in the business of creating page views. <laughs> and so I, I think that story is, uh, it's, it's an interesting story to get page views for. It's almost on a schedule, so it's about annually where that story comes out. But I can tell you with uh, pretty high confidence that's not happening. And Mike, there were, Kara Swisher reported, so it has to be true, <laughs> that uh, a few years ago Twitter had, had been in talks with Flipboard about acquiring it uh, for a, it sounded like a lot of money. Didn't happen. You want to tell that story, or, or, uh, or what's, you know, what's the plan with Flipboard now? Uh, Flipboard is, um, uh, we are working on an opportunity that is absolutely huge, and it's still early days. Uh, and I think, as an entrepreneur, I think that what you have to do is build a company that has value standalone as an independent business, and then the right things will happen. Um, and uh, uh, we've had all sorts of conversations all along the way, as any company should, as it grows. Um, and uh, I could not be happier with where we are right now. I'm, I'm just incredibly happy. And I'm a huge fan of Twitter, by the way. I believe in Twitter, always have believed in Twitter, uh, and Jack, and so on, uh, and what they're building there. And I use Twitter all the time, uh, and I use it, you know, hand in hand with Flipboard. Uh, we're big, close partners with Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, what, I, what I'm particularly psyched about right now is there's a moment, I think the whole, that this conference, there's this defining moment that I think our industry, social media, social media platforms is in right now. And to be uh, able to help define and pioneer where that's headed uh, is, I think, incredibly important. And to be able to do that from the platform that we've been building is, is really key. Um, I think if you look at um, uh, what, what I, I think is happening here, you have social media platforms that are technology companies, and then you have media businesses that are on those platforms. That intersection, that cross between those media companies and technology companies creates a lot of questions that we've seen. Uh, and I think you know, it's incredibly important in the time and age we're living in now where our democracies are under attack, where kids who are uh, using these social media platforms and looking at this content uh, are, can, can be harmed, uh, almost incidentally. Uh, it's incredibly important for companies like ours to stand up and say, look, it's not okay to have this kind of content uh, uh, exposed to, you know, an electorate or to kids. And so I think having an opportunity to participate in how, you know, where we're taking these technology platforms and how the media business should evolve is, is pretty awesome. 
Um, please line up if you have questions. I'll do, I'll do one more. Um, you're buying ads. To make this full circle, you're buying ads. What's that about? Yes, we there are. There are flipboard ads. Yeah. We're... I saw one on Axios. <laughs> we are. We, uh, you know, it's time to start to uh, get out there and tell more people about Flipboard. Last year, we worked on really increasing engagement. We've seen a doubling of engagement across Flipboard. A lot of our publishing partners have seen that, uh, the results of that in the referral traffic. And so now it's not, we have an opportunity to get out there and tell more people about what we stand for, who we are. You know, we are here to inform and inspire the world, and uh, we're just getting started. How do you, how do you, can you get younger users that way? Is, is the Axios, is the benefit of sponsoring the well, Axios, is Axios one of our partners newsletter to get teen uh, millennial users? We're, 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 we're across a whole range of publications, across a range of, of, of people uh, of all ages. I'll tell you, when, you know, in talking to a lot of young people who are thinking about how they um, digest social media, one of the things I'm, I'm particularly excited about is we announced a, uh, we're donating 0.1% of our equity to the News Literacy Project, which um, is put together by a guy named Alan Miller, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, um, to educate a whole new generation of, uh, of kids who are having to navigate what is an increasingly confusing array of options to get their news. How do you tell what's fact from fiction? Um, that's a skill set. And uh, so this... Uh, the News Literacy Project is actually putting a lot of energy into teaching and part of you know, curriculums around thousands of schools in the United States, how to teach kids, and by the way, outside the US too, it's very, very important, to, uh, uh, to, to consume the news, uh, and which is a key part of, of uh, tackling some of the, the problems that we're seeing on social media platforms today. Great, well, I guess we aced it because there's no one standing. So, your own Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Replay. If you liked it, then make sure to check out our other podcasts, Recode Decode, Recode Media, and Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. For full coverage of the Code Media Conference, visit recode.net.